What if you could learn how to root yourself in God's truth for your motherhood? What if you could become confident in Christ as you lived out every day of your motherhood, interacting with your kids, praying about what new stages you're coming into with different children, having a gospel perspective, not just for your own life, but even seeing how God is working in your kids' lives. So often we feel unbalanced, defeated, and exhausted because we do not have our mind anchored in what God says. We have our mind anchored in the fact that we need to know the right thing or we need to do the right thing. I want to invite you to join me in a course. It's a six-week course, and we are going to be talking about resetting your mind when your motherhood seems hard, so that in every day moving forward, you can be anchored in the one who has all the answers, and you can be confident, and you can be at rest. Come and join me. The link is down in the show notes, and I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to When God Breaks Through a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table in a series called Back to the Basics, where we are exploring the truths and the depths of the gospel story. And we're looking through the lens of motherhood, but what I want you to understand more than anything else is that the truths here are for every part of your life. And I am trusting, and I know because I hear from you, that you learn something here, it makes sense, and you're able to carry it into other parts of your life. And so I pray even in this series, in this time, that that's what's actually coming forth, that God is breaking down lies that perhaps you've been believing, whether it's about peace and how to get peace, or whether it's about mercy, whether it's about grace, that the abundance of those things is fully offered to you, not because of anything you and I do, but because of Jesus. And today we're going to be talking about something that I think maybe you'll see a little differently at the end. I pray you will. I'm calling this the truth that joy uproots despair. And we're going to look at this because this is important in motherhood. There are many places in motherhood that make us feel sad, that are hard. You know, though, the definition of despair is not just sadness, and it's not just feeling like you're failing or feeling like everything is hard. But despair actually really means a feeling of being stuck, being unable to get out, to move forward, make progress, to make a change. Despair is a feeling that it's too late. And oftentimes when I sit with women, that is something that they will confess to me. I feel like it's too late. 
it's too late for me to teach this to one of my children. I learned this too late. And so I taught them something different. I didn't, I mean, I hear a lot, a lot about, I didn't understand this about the gospel when my kids were little and now they're big and I messed it up. And it will begin to soak into our soul in a space. And the reality is that's called despair. It is. And it's, we can, we see in scripture that there are places where Paul said that he felt despairing and he was perplexed and it was hard in life. He felt stuck. And yet, yet, God's gospel speaks and works in our despair. You see, we can, we can have despair about anything. We can, we can feel stuck in our marriage, in relationships. They're just not working. They're not changing. They're not getting better. You're not sure your way out. It can be despair about financial situations. You don't see how things will improve. We can have despair over family dynamics, over work situations, over friendships. We have had, you know, loss of friendships and we can feel despair. But what I want you to know is that the gospel story tells you that you can have joy and that joy will actually get in there and uproot your despair. For many years, I did not understand a concept that we're going to talk about today. I did not understand the idea of the fruit of the Spirit well. Now, I've been in church all all my life, and I knew Galatians. You know, I knew this, the passage in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. I knew in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I knew, I even understood like, yes, um, it's fruit that comes up in us and this is the list. But what I had misunderstood was who gave the fruit. You see, I read, well, this is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meaning these are the signs that I'm a Christian. These are the signs that I love Jesus. And yes, but because now we're exploring the gospel, there's an and, right? Yes, those are signs that I love Jesus and that I follow Jesus. When those things are beginning to emerge in ever-increasing amounts in my life or when I'm walking with a child and they have professed a following, they love Jesus and they're following Jesus and you begin to see this fruit in their life and you're like, I see it in you. I see, I see this in you, right? But you see what I was believing was that the fruit was something I was supposed to do to become. It was a list to achieve. I remember I'm all about performance and some of you may not struggle in that way. But what happened was I forgot something. You see, I began to look at all this fruit and it's almost as if if you can pretend with me that I had all this fruit on a table and I was like, I have to have all of this on me as evidence that I love and follow Jesus. And what I began to do is I began to 
get huge skewers and I began to put joy on one skewer and love on one and faithfulness on one and gentleness on one and self-control on one and kindness and goodness and peace. And very soon I had nine skewers and I'm trying to juggle all these skewers and hold them all up and make them all work so that as I'm bumping into everybody else who's walking around, they can tell that I have it all. And if you were driving past me, pretend I'm a, on the side of the road with my fruit and I'm holding it. And if you drive past fast enough, you know, you're going 70 miles an hour on the side of the road. Then what you may see is this impression of look at Bethany and all of her fruit. Man, she looks like she is a fruitful tree for God. She looks great. But you know, right, that my fruit stuck on skewers is not connected to any source, is it? In fact, if I were to actually put a piece of fruit on a skewer, I mean, it's a great science project for your kid, right? Monitor how long it takes before the fruit rots because it's not connected to a source. But that's what I had believed in my Christian walk was part of my, my job as a, as a follower of Jesus. Post a gospel moment, remember we talked last week about grace is more than a moment, but if you believe grace is just a moment, that moment of salvation, then you believe oftentimes after that is your job to continue. But what you need to begin to understand is that Jesus in John 15 says, come and abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. In other words, plug into me, keep your eyes on me, stay with me, sit with me, understand the grace I am offering you. And in that, I will bring fruit into your life. The fruit connect be, being connected to Jesus, fruit begins to grow. And one of those fruits is joy. Well, what is joy? Again, though, I had this strange impression that joy was like happiness. That joy was like me being, and I, my personality is I want to be happy and I want everyone else to be happy. I really just want everyone to have fun and uh, not be uncomfortable, not be sad. Don't really want anybody having strong emotions like that. I just don't, I just don't love that. So I seek always to make other people just feel happy. And so I thought that's what joy is. Joy is happiness. And so whenever I was struggling with happiness, I was like, man, I mean, I don't, I don't even have joy. I have no joy. But what I want to pose today to you is that joy walks right alongside of sorrow and is just as present in the deepest of hard moments as it is in the lightest of days. Because joy is not connected to emotions that we feel like sadness and happiness and confusion. And it's not that. So what is joy? Well, in the course that we've been talking about that's going on right now, it's a six-week journey called Resetting Your Mind When Motherhood Seems Hard. We really get down and explore what this idea of joy is in Scripture. But for today, I'm just going to give you a really brief definition. 
joy is grace recognized. That's what it is. Who is joy sourced in? The Holy Spirit. So how does the Spirit help us feel grace recognized? What happens there? What I want to help you unpack is that as we begin to practice this idea of understanding God's grace, understanding that that is Jesus Christ in action in our lives, and we recognize it, and we see it for what it is, which is a spirit-given gift to be able to see Jesus at work, right? That wells up in us, not a feeling of happiness, but a security and a confidence that is outside of ourselves. That is joy. That is joy. You see, joy basically is being able to see what Jesus has done. Whether it's in the bigness of changing your life radically from one place to another, or in the tiny moments when a child all of a sudden, in a moment of conversation, understands something scripturally. A spiritual truth comes alive. That's joy. You see God and what Jesus has done in that moment. One of my children is, um, I've talked about her a lot probably on, on here, but she is interesting to me. She is full of exuberance and full of life and full of activity. She's a very busy child, has always been a very busy child, but there's been one thing that's been unique about her. She really doesn't like lots of movement. She didn't like to swing when she was a baby. She didn't like to, you know, a lot of babies will let their daddy throw them up in the air. And that just was not fun for her. Movement is not her thing. So we as a family have gone to amusement parks over the years. And one year we were at Disney World with her just a few years ago. And there was a ride that uh, Woody roller coaster, Toy Story roller coaster ride. And I knew she would love it. I knew she would love it if she would get on it. And so we had gone all day in the park and we were doing, I mean, like this child could barely stomach the little bitty baby rides, like teeny tiny rides. And we were slowly building her up and getting her better and getting her better at different things. Like we could do like the Buzz Lightyear shooting ride. Like that was hard for her at first. It just was hard. And so here we are at the end of our trip and, and so I, I grabbed her hand and I said, you're going to love this. I promise you, you're going to love this ride. And I guided her into the line and her, her eyes, because she's so full of joy and her eyes were sparkling and she's standing next to me and she's pointing to all of her favorite characters because she loves this movie. And she is excited because we've talked about it. I said, you're going to love this roller coaster and you will be able to do it because I'd begun to study and figure out why she didn't like movement and what was it that she didn't like about movement. And I really believe that she would like this roller coaster. Uh, But as the line began to snake forward and we began to watch the roller coaster, like you get to a certain point and you can see the roller coaster going, she began to get really afraid, really concerned, not sure this was what she wanted to do at all. In fact, she was sure that she was going to hate it 
And she began to tell me all the reasons why she doesn't like roller coasters, that she hates it for this reason and she hates it for that reason. She begged to trade places with her little brother because everybody else was finishing. Well, I mean, had finished the ride and they were waiting for us. She's like, just let Timothy ride with you. I just don't think I can. I can't do it. And I began going to trust me, trust me. You can, you can. And she began to just, I mean, you could just see on her face, she was caught and she was caught between dread, just the complete fear of what was to come and just a desire to be and to do it. She wanted it, but she was so afraid of the actual adventure of it. So I got her into the seat next to me. It was almost impossible because, I mean, the minute that they pulled up with that and we were cued in line to step in, I mean, she just went rigid, her little body. (laughs) And then trying to get her to sit in the seat, get her to bend her knees and relax so you could pull the bar down. And then she kind of just pushed as hard into my side as she could. And she clung to my arm and we shot out of the gate, climbing that first hill. And as we crested that hill, her body changed. Her terror turned to complete delight. She was nestled tight under my arm. She never moved from under my arm. I mean, she was as inside of my body as she could have been at that moment. But nestled in the crook of my arm, she began to laugh a belly laugh. That was deeper and better than any laugh I had heard as she experienced delight in that ride. She relaxed. She allowed the ride to move, move her around. Now, always she was right up against me, right tucked in my arm, safe. But for many of us, we're so afraid of trusting God as he begins to say, I am walking with you in this. I want you to look at me. I want you to watch for me at work. And I want you to tuck yourself in against my arm. And let me show you what true joy is, what true delight in me is. You see, Caroline had a ton of, I mean, she didn't want this adventure. The closer we got to it, she was sure she didn't want it. She wanted to stay stuck in her belief system that roller coasters were not for her because the, the idea of cresting that first hill was so horrifying to her. And often we do the same thing with God and we, we begin to wonder, maybe I should just pretend like I have joy. Maybe I never will get to have joy. Maybe I'm stuck here in this space, in this moment. I can't possibly imagine life different. I don't want to go through what it's going to take to get to the other side. I'm afraid of that. And God invites us to sit really close to him, to let him tuck his arm around us and hold us. You know, I mean, there was no way I was going to ever let my little girl go on that roller coaster ride. Even if that meant my whole body was going to be bruised, right? And yet the God of the universe invites you and me. Psalm 37, 4 says, he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you 
the desires of your heart. And that word delight there means to become soft, to become pliable in the Lord. You see, when we soften ourselves in the Lord, when we, instead of constantly looking out at everything that we're stuck in, we begin to say instead, okay, I'm just going to abide with you. I'm going to plug into the vine. I'm going to hold tight, Jesus, to what your word says. I'm going to just seek your face, Jesus. I'm going to nestle in to your arm. When we begin to soften in the Lord, it's not the ride. The ride doesn't necessarily get any better or easier. In fact, in the course, I share about some of the times and some of the despair spaces and the seasons that our family has walked through that have been exceptionally dark. But the invitation is not about the ride. The invitation is about the person. And God says, I'm inviting you to abide in me, to understand that the peace and the kindness and the mercy and the grace are all Jesus. Soften yourself in him, tuck in under his arm. And that invitation then to delight ourselves in the Lord, to become softened to him, to lean in his direction, allows the ride to be okay. And we see God's work. We see grace. You see, we sometimes have a very limited ability to delight. And we can even become unbending, right? We can refuse to curve into God's arm. We can say, God, I, I, I need to handle this. I need to take care of this. This is something that's a big deal. And I need to just hold tight. Hopefully I can fix it. And in motherhood, it, it really gets highlighted. It really can for me. Where I see like, oh my goodness, I've got to fix this child. They're struggling in friendships. I've got to navigate and help them navigate all their friendships. Or, oh my goodness, I mean, I, I, I see what's happening with this child and I've got to fix their life in this way. Or, oh my goodness, this child's out of control. I've got to clamp down and hold tight to him in this way. Oh my goodness. And that's just child. Now, And then there's that reverse part where the enemy comes in and goes, well, and look what you're doing here and you're doing here. Cover that up. Don't let anybody see you do that. Shove that in a corner. Pretend like you're not that way. Shove those fruit on a stick and act like you're these things. Because it would be embarrassing if people knew you were struggling. And instead, God says, come and delight in me. Soften yourself in me. Settle in to the ride, my darling. Because while the ride sometimes is super scary and sometimes feels a little rough, there is an arm encircling you that will not let you be put to shame. You see, when I hold my breath and I anticipate whatever the next thing is that's going to be bad, that's going to come. And I've had seasons where we had six different children in serious issues and crises all in the same year. And it basically, I almost felt like by the end, I mean, I just was so reactive to hardship, so certain that the next thing was just catastrophic too, because we literally had had one catastrophic event after another. And I dreaded every difficulty. I was so easily knocked around. 
I was so easily bruised. And I was like my daughter on that ride at first, frozen and crumpled down in my seat. And until I learned to sit up and scoot in and just focus on him, on Jesus. And then, then when I learned that, I could delight and joy began to just flow through me, not because I was making it, but because I just kept my eyes on the one that was grace. But if I stay hunkered down, crumpled up, holding myself, refusing to let anybody help me, there's limited ability to delight because I can't get my eyes off of me to see what God is doing. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will make your heart delight with Him. You know, more than anything, more than anything, His invitation is for you and for me to come and to abide, to sit with Him, to let His peace flow over us, His kindness flow through us, His mercy completely cover us, His grace totally extend around us. Because, because He is the source of all of it. You know, next week we're going to be talking about the last part of this. There's so much about the gospel story. I could sit and we could pull out all these other big, massive things about gospel truths. But I believe that the only way that you can have hope, and hope is the assurance, the that's what hope is. Hope is not a wish or a dream like we talk about it now. Like, oh, I hope it's a pretty day today. No, hope is an assurance in scripture. That's what, If you see the word hope, just write under it in your Bible, assurance. That you will have the assurance that you are his child. You are precious in his sight. He loves you. He is for you. He is offering peace to you. He is offering mercy to you. He is covering you with his grace. Jesus is real and he is at work in your life and he wants you to recognize it. He wants you to see him. And when we begin to do that, then it begins to flow out of us into our conversations and the real life moments with our kids. But these things become real when we actually sit with the Lord and say, show me where I'm stuck. Show me where I'm just gripping that bar and refusing to let you tuck me in. Show me where I'm trying to do this. And God, I ask instead that I'll take my joy, roddy fruit off of sticks and I'll plug into the vine and I'll tuck in under your arm and I will trust you because I will delight in you. And by delighting in you, I will see you at work. And the Spirit will just push out of me more of seeing your grace. I encourage you to consider joining us in this six-week journey. Resetting your mind when motherhood seems hard. It is important that you are solid in these truths so that when you engage with anyone else around you, your kids or anyone You are offering them the life that only Jesus gives us. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. 
If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.